podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Celtic's 100% record for 2022 remains intact, with wins in the league over Aberdeen and in the Scottish Cup against Wraith Rovers, meaning we're now 8 wins from 8 in the calendar year so far. This week we step back into European action with a Conference League tie against Bodo Glimt, as the challenges continue to stack up and Ange wouldn't have it any other way. This is episode 57 of the Celtic Exchange Weekly, this is Tino, and this week I'm joined by James and Chris to cover all things Celtic. James, another seven goals scored in those two games I mentioned against Aberdeen and Wraith Rovers. Are you pleased with how it's all ticking along? Tricky ties, cup ties are always tricky, it could be a banana skin and all that kind of stuff. So first half poor, dealt with it in the second half in the next round. The Aberdeen game I thought showed a really um, interesting side to Celtic that they can really dig in for the win as well as blow teams away. That was a tough, tough game and you know they, they really gave it all they had to to pull the three points back. Yeah, I think similar to Hearts as well, wasn't it? It was just showing that resilience. It, it can't always be attacking and, and free-flowing football and sometimes you've got to dig deep. Yeah, and that that's all part of you know what they train for. They, they don't just train scoring goals. You know they, They're a good defensive team as well. They've got a lot of resilience and they've got mental strength, which, you know, this time last year, mental strength, we spoke about a lot. The team didn't have it and this team has it in spades. Yeah. Uh, Chris, welcome back to the show. It's been a while. What's your take on how everything's going just now? Thanks for having us back, Tino. Good to be back. Absolutely delighted the way things are going. A lot of pressure on us the past couple of weeks in terms of the fixtures that are coming up. The game against Race Rovers has its own complications as well. A lot number of changes coming in can affect your kind of the, the flow of the game. And again, we've seen that the first, the first half especially. But no, I think it's coming along nicely. And you, Jamie made a good point there as well about resilience. Again, it's Celtic. We are going to be under pressure at certain points in certain games. And it's good to see that. And again, it's just the kind of night and day for where we were this time last year. So I hope we can just take a, day, a game at a time, basically, when this comes along. And hopefully we can continue that momentum. But it's good. It's going good at the moment. From breaking to start of top to bottom, basically, you're going to have like in the, the, the conversation for the last this time last year or last time was probably on was about issues from up above to basically down below, and the big man has got it got it right so far. So long may that continue. Yeah, I think the last few times you've been on, it's been grim times. So glad to have you on and, and sunnier climbs. You've been on since Ange, haven't you? I have been on since Ange, but again, it was early days in Ange. Ah, it was just um, feet, so right, again, right. it was finding our feet in terms of this this transition and a lot of bodies coming in and out and what the right structure would be behind the scenes. And it was just just great, as I said, it's just so encouraging to come on and actually have a kind of positive, kind of positive chat about things. And the big man's a breath of fresh air. So, but again, at the same time, I'm trying not to get carried away too much because, as I said, there's we're in this transition at the moment. And things are absolutely fantastic in terms of where we were then to where we are at the moment. Yeah, so again. We're on the right road. Yeah. You don't want to get carried away too much, but Paddy, who often sits in that seat, he's banging the quadruple. <laughs> the drum for that. So just before we get started today, a quick reminder that you can now watch our weekly shows on the Celtic Exchange YouTube channel, as well as continuing to listen on all the usual podcast platforms. If you are watching on YouTube, please take a minute just now to subscribe to the channel by clicking the red subscribe button below. And while you're there, click the thumbs up to like this week's episode. These small things go a long way to helping us do what we do and are really appreciated by all of us here at the show. James, what we'll do first, you and I were at the Wraith Rovers game on Sunday, so let's get the show started with a short recap on that one. What was your take on the game in general? Yeah, a bit like during the week actually, it was a game of two halves, much like Aberdeen was, but it was ourselves that didn't come out of the traps, um, like Aberdeen didn't come out during the week. As Chris referenced, a lot of changes, it can upset the, the flow, but that's how this is always going to be under Ange. There's going to be multiple changes, almost every squad. Look at uh, Juranovic against Rangers, it's close to a 10 out of 10 performances you'll get from any player in any game. Motherwell, the game after, dropped. So th there's going to be changes every game and they've got to just get their heads right for that. There's a bit of having to raise your game for Wraith Rovers, which is unfair, you've got to respect the opposition. And I think a lot of that just combined to quite a lacklustre performance first half. And, you know, they, they get rocketed at half time. they came out, they sorted it. Jota was a big difference when he came on in 55 minutes. And they went on to win comfortably. But yeah, we've, we've got to just keep the focus. Yeah. Chris, you know, James mentioned Juranovic and there's other key players that, that didn't start and some didn't feature at all on Sunday. So no Juranovic, McGregor, Greg Taylor, Matt O'Reilly, Carl Starfelt. How do you feel the first half played out? To the way I expected it. 
to go to be honest with you Tino these players have got to come in and hit the ground running right for big, for Ange right they've got to come in and they're expected to do again they need to earn their place right first and foremost and that's what Ange is expecting of them right and there might be complacency sets in because it's straight Rovers but you're coming in and you've got to play this style and you've got to play in a certain way big Ange wants you to play right and it speaks volumes maybe potentially certain individuals that whether or not are going to be cut out for it or not that's what fucking it basically stood out for me and I think that we need to, there needs to be a realisation within probably these individuals, these individuals and probably the coaching staff as well, that maybe these individuals are not going to be, then they can, it's, it's going to be the standard going forward. And it's probably the expectation going forward as well as to try and determine what happens to these, these players as well. So I think, as I said, I kind of expected that. And I'm, I'm going to come out and say it, Michael jo- Mikey Johnson. Mike oh, early, early. Early. sorry, I'm going to come out and say oh. it right away. Why are you breaking my heart on Valentine's Day? Well, likes to soften into the I, I know, Johnson I, chat. I, I, mm. I know, I know. Right, listen, Again, I, again, I'm probably an advocate of the James, uh, Mikey Johnson as well. Sorry, that again, I was wanting him to. I've seen flashes of brilliance in the past few years. I've got things, Sarajevo, and again, these kind of instances where you think, no, we've got a player in our hands here. You're hearing feedback from Damien Duffs in the past as well, but what they expect of him as a player as well. But it's just not working. And we, when he's coming into a game like that yesterday, here's your opportunity. And the same again, I'm going to throw James Forrest in it as well, Jim. I know you're getting your opinion on James Forrest as well, but I think that James Forrest has a part to play. But again, there has obviously been a decline in over the past few years in terms of his kind of play, his stats that's come out um, recently as well. And again, that's just natural given his age and the, the, the position he plays. But Going back in terms of my point, as I said, it's the way I expected it to go. And it's unfortunately, that's the said, we need to probably have a look at it as a club as we go forward. So, yep, changes come in. Jota, I think, is a superstar. Comes in, completely changes the game. And whether it be Ken Creighton, bringing players into the game, creating chances as well. So, aye, that's the way I thought it would have probably, unfortunately, would have played out. Again, it was a bit stagnant. And again, you're just wanting these, you're, you're wanting these players to do well, but it kind of didn't transpire that way, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I hard to disagree with with pretty much all that you're saying there. We spent a bit of time, uh, myself, James and Sinky, on the post-match show last night, you know, covering various points. And we spent a, a fair bit of time on Mikey Johnson, so I don't want to dwell too much. But I do think it's, it's a puzzle for Celtic and it's a puzzle for Ange because... In terms of the, the fundamentals, he's, you know, he's young, he's talented, he's pacey, he's tricky. He's got a lot of good assets. He's got a lot of the assets that would make for a good footballer. And some of it's just natural born talent. But there's absolutely no, absolutely no doubt that we're not getting that out of him just now. I wonder if Ange himself would see that as a, a challenge for him to take on yeah, board and say, I'm an experienced coach. Leave this with me. I didn't see it, but by all accounts, he gave Johnson a hug as he came off the park. He was quite upset yesterday. Maybe again, just another sign of his type of man of management. Would be, yeah. Yeah. And I know a lot of people have have written Mikey Johnson off and that's that's fine. Everyone's got their opinion on it. I'm fully behind Mikey Johnson. I think he's a talent and I just think th- there's more to it than just, you know, football stuff as well. I think we've got to put our arm around this kid yeah. and, and see if we can get the best out of him. And I do think there's a player there, but also James, I was quite against him potentially going on loan. Maybe now he just needs removed from the Celtic environment. Oh, the pressure. For, for his own sake. Go and play somewhere where you don't need to win every week. Every time he gets... Here's an example, right? Every time he gets the ball, people are now almost willing him to make a mistake so they can say, I told you so. And you hear people around you in the stadium with that. Rio Hattati is a fantastic footballer and he's going to be brilliant for Celtic. See the amount of misplaced passes he had in the first half yesterday. Booting out the park and and overhitting and different things. Whereas Mikey Johnson... I'll let you in in a second. Mikey Johnson, the first half... Has a brilliant effort on goal within a few minutes. Jinks in and out of three or four guys and just hits over the just bar. He then plays a really, really intricate through ball with outside his boot. You may not remember it, and some people don't want we'll to remember it, yeah. but he's doing lots of good things, but it's all the bad stuff that people are picking up on. Yeah, I, no, I, t- I totally get it, right? Because you can hear it and you, you feel it at Celtic Park when you're going there. It's just, I just feel as if, I'm, I'm going to speak for myself personally, and I think this is the same opinion that a lot of people, we want Mikey Johnson to do well, yeah. but we're just not seeing it and we're getting frustrated by it because he is one of our own, he's coming through the academy, we're getting, we're getting frustrated with it, but I think you're absolutely right. I think he needs to take him out of the equation because he's probably too, putting too much pressure on himself. Yeah. He's the Rafe Rovers are doubling up on him yesterday. It's going to be difficult for him as well, especially with low confidence to actually... Again, I'm not going to speak killer. Rafe Rovers, it doesn't matter who you're up against. Playing against two, taking two men in front of you, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. So yeah, I think you need to take him out of the environment. But also getting back, you made, made a great point about Rio Tati. And I'm going back to Tyne Castle when he was fantastic. 
the game against Aberdeen and yesterday as well. It gets to certain points in the game, I feel as if we deal with Tati as well. You've got to maybe take him out of the equation, if that makes sense, because the, the misplaced mis- place passes become more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And I just feel as if as well, again, that'll come. Andrew's talked about fitness again, he's nailed it. He said that there's more to come with this guy yeah. and he will be a fantastic player, but just wanted just to say that as well. So mm-hmm. I think, again, you're absolutely right. Again, you're not far wrong there, you know? I, th- I thought it was interesting on Hattati actually that Ange saw fit to give him the 90 yesterday. Because I think the boy must be shattered. I, I, yeah, I think that was a punishment. We all know that he's had his full season there in Japan, just finished there early to mid-December. Um, he's moved to a new part of the world. He's hit the ground running with some big performances and big goals. Hearts and Rangers, the obvious uh, examples there. He must be tired, but Ange's, and this will be with the support of the sports science team, for whatever reason, they'll say, get 90 minutes in his legs, get yeah. him up to speed. And I think, I can't wait to see a, a fully fit and firing Rio Hattati. So it was just an example though of someone who... It, you know, it's all, you know, perception in the eyes of the fans and people n- now take forward the narrative that they've kind of dug their heels in on, on guys like Johnson. Hattati at the moment, his stock is here and he can do no wrong, even though right in front of your eyes, he is doing some wrong. Yeah. Whereas Mikey Johnson, everything he does, even the good stuff just gets gets ignored. I'm not going to go on any more about it. I said I wouldn't and I've gone for a few minutes already, but I do think, James, and you made the point, a new environment may be best for Mikey Johnson. And I really... Really hope he, you know, he proves me right. I think he's a real talent and I hope he comes back and, and brings some good stuff. Well, it is. And it goes for any Celtic player, whether we're all fans of them or we're not fans of them. We want them to succeed, you know, because... Not the, everybody. The, their, their success means more success for Celtic. And with Mikey, it's basically, here's where we are and here's where we need to be and what's the best way to get you there? What's the route? Yeah. Is it staying at Celtic? Is it going out and loan and coming back? Whatever it may be, and take that route. Because at the moment for me... The, the pressures as much as the issues in else. Yeah, I think most decent and, you know, decent-minded Celtic fans do want him to do well. And then there's just all the sniping as well that you see it just from Egypt, to be honest with you. So if you've got a fair-minded opinion on Mikey and he's not for you, no problem. But you know where I stand. So where are you at? This isn't that you're double down on Mikey, it's like the 18th <laughs> of that. I'm quadrupling down on the young man. And then? And I, and I stack by it. Yeah. Anyway, moving on to other things. Um... Andrew was very vocal in his post-match comments. He really wasn't too happy with, with that first half that you mentioned, Chris. Uh, what I'm going to do, I'll read out a couple of quotes here first and then I'll come to you for your thoughts on these. So I think this was from Premier Sports, his interview. And said, we've got certain standards about how, how hard we want to work and the kind of football we want to play and how quickly we want to move the ball. And I just thought in the first half we were taking too many touches. We weren't working hard enough off the ball. And whilst we're comfortable, that's not what I want us to be. I don't want us to be comfortable. He was then asked if the squad had surpassed his expectations and he nipped that in the bud right away, James, by saying, nowhere near my expectations as we saw in the first half today, we've still got a lot of work to do. I think Chris, that'll be the message internally to the players too, won't it? It won't be, you know, of a mind to allow any sort of complacency to kick in. Absolutely, don't rest in your laurels. It doesn't matter who you're playing against and that's the great thing about Ange with me. It doesn't matter who it is, you're going out here and this here's, when you pull on the hoops, this is what the expectations are. So don't let it, don't let it drop or again, the performance levels drop one bit. So it's great, it's great hearing it. So long may that continue, regardless who it is. So we need, because we need that again, especially over the next couple of weeks. It doesn't, again, as I said, every, every game's a cup final in the league anyway, but as I said, it doesn't matter if it's Livingston at home, St Mirren, whatever. This is where the experience can be able to drop points. Um, we were finding it difficult in the past. We need to be at that level all the time yeah I think a first half like yesterday James against somebody like Wraith Rovers where you're maybe not going to get punished in the way you might get elsewhere certainly in Europe which we've you know got to look forward to this week it's maybe not a bad thing that there was a wee bit of complacency crept in and Angie's got a great example to say that's enough of that nonsense there was a couple of things on that uh, Stan Sport podcast recommended to anyone um, it's basically Angie and the Aussie media having a, having a good chat this morning mm-hmm. and it's what you said about not getting punished for mistakes he spoke about getting, you know, beat 4-0 off of Leverkusen at home. And he said, we, he was telling them, you know, we, we actually played well. We did a lot of things that I was really happy with, but they punished us for our mistakes and we didn't punish them for theirs. That was the difference between, you know, getting any result there and getting beat 4-0. So we weren't punished there. Um, and I just think, you know, he's, he's looking at the team yesterday, not getting punished, but the complacency that creeps in. The second part of the uh, that podcast this morning was, I was expecting and showing my ignorance that we might have an easier game on Thursday night against Bodo. It turns out they're a 4-3-3 Ange ball type game. It's going to be really high tempo from the start. So having that quieter uh, start to the game yesterday and rubbing out that complacency, nipping it in the bud, because they could have walked into a, a disaster on Thursday if mm-hmm. they'd taken that attitude yesterday in the Thursday's game. So 
all the better to catch it and not get punished for it and learn from it. Yeah. And it's good to get a bit of insight into the board as well. We've got a, a wee section later on in the show where we'll, we'll certainly cover that. But it is interesting because a lot of us, myself included, have done a wee bit of digging. It's hard to know what to expect and, and you wouldn't doubt that Ange and his backroom team will be doing all the work there. Um, there's also some other Ange quotes doing the rounds, Chris. You might have seen this. Um, lots have on Twitter. Uh, these ones are far less polite, I'm afraid. So apologies to my mum who I, I know tunes in. During a fairly passive spell of passing during the first half, he could be heard balling out something along the lines of hell, sake, stop passing it back. And as much as he's got this nice guy cuddly Uncle Ange type thing you wouldn't want to get on the wrong side would you? No definitely not I think you could see that without even he's shouting and swearing at the side of the park again he, the big man was not happy and you don't want to get on his bad side um, as well getting back to my point just, I was just I'm talking about the St Mirren and St Mirren's and a Livingston's equivalent in terms of that kind of comfortable play let's just say in terms of that let's all just go back away nothing's really happening Ange knows that in the, again, seeing order to break these teams down who have had difficulty in the past, it needs to be high intense, it needs to be high pressing because what these clubs like, like St. Mary, eh, sorry, like Rafe Rovers done yesterday, they pressed in the right areas and forced us back and it's comfortable Celtic just to retain the ball and pass it back. So they're pressing in the right areas, whereas Ange is saying, take the risks, press, it's got to be high tempo. So that needs to be, that needs to come natural to you rather than think to yourself, or something, you'll just create that wee moment of magic. Celtic need to be at that level constantly and it's great that the big man's doing it so if you don't do it you're going to feel the wrath of the big man so yeah. Celtic could have cruised to a, a very comfy 1 or 2 and a win again through throwers by just bouncing about centre back to left back to goalie being patient and you'd have grabbed a couple of goals no worries and I think Angie's seen that and says F that I don't want that and this is what we hammer into you day in day out at training and you must carry this out whether it's Wraith Rovers or whoever. See that mentality, but that mentality is probably something that we've seen in the past, right? So I'm going back to say 10 years ago, right? And you look at us, how we've no one trebles and that year, years gone by, right, as well. Look at the decisions we've got when it's been 1-2-0 against some team or 0-0 or 1-0 against these teams. And you've seen it yesterday, the, maybe again 50-50 with Carter Vickers with a penalty. Basically, they score a penalty, or sorry, get a, get a penalty kick and they score it. Right up, again, it could be, could be right under pressure and it could, again, it creates its own problems as well. So, Ange sees that and Ange knows that, do you know what? Nip that right in the bud. See this again, he's perceived this dips. You're going to get a kick, kick up the backside to make yeah. sure that, again, you're, you're again, operating at these levels, that again, the standards that he sets. I remember, and I think there's a few examples, but I remember Morton beat us 1 0. That was exactly the time. Exactly. Might the, have been the, Doug Emery. And it was just, it was that kind of game where the whole feel around the club, whether it was Lenny or, or anyone else, there was just a bit of complacency and a bit of lethargy around these fixtures. And the way Ange speaks in his pre-match about all these games is he's just not having it for mm. himself or for his players. And he's always very respectful, you know, you know, and good on him for that, whether it's Wraith Rovers or someday at the very bottom of the Scottish football pyramid, he will always give, you know, the other team the respect that he will put out his team to play, you know, as hard and work as hard as they do, whether it's a Champions League game. And, and I think that's the mindset that's got to be around the place. You can't pick and choose when to turn up. I mean, on that very note, James, you know, We've discussed Mikey Johnson and a bit of James Forrest, but the guys like Stephen Welsh and, and Liam Skills, do they need to do more when they're given a chance in the system of Angie's? I thought Welsh had a decent game. Um, I thought he was showing a lot. I thought he was bringing the ball out a lot. It just ended up coming back to him a lot. So I think I was more guilt in the midfield than, than Welsh. Welsh was trying to take it forward. It's decent enough though. So a decent no game well. is fine. It's decent enough. There was a, an article I read earlier on about there was some balls on to Hatati but he's turned out and played the safer ball. So when you're just watching that in the context of the game, you go, hey, he's kept possession, that's fine, we're recycling, start again. Yeah. Does he need to do more? Thinking back to the game, and you know, you've got a kind of a decent fan's eye view. You're, you're raised a bit, so you can maybe see a bit more than being at ground level. But the, I remember thinking on several occasions, there's a ball on there and you're kind of shouting for it to go and it doesn't, it goes back and it gets recycled. You know, recycle's not the worst, but only do it when you have to, rather than as a, the kind of fallback yeah I think you know just watching as a fan recycling sometimes it's necessary but sometimes it is that passive thing which really angered Ange yesterday and as a fan you're maybe going that's alright we keep possession and Ange is just he's just not having that he wants you to drive and drive and be relentless you know every time you can but you see as Jamie's saying there as well Ange sees that in terms of seeing that passes on so why are you not doing it mm. why are you not taking that risk and I think Stephen Welsh was, was guilty of that sometimes. I think a lot of the time it was. I think there was like you know, there was a lot of recycling going on that ended up going back his way. And I think in terms of percentage stats, Stephen Welsh came back in terms of past completion as the highest in the team yesterday. Right. So 
But as I said, there's a few times when you did, I clocked it myself yesterday, it's on, and you can tell Ange Postacoglu's looking at going, oh, he knows right, it's on. Get it, get it done, do it, take the risk. Because I think with Carol Starfelt, I think you find Carol Starfelt takes it on, you can think there's sometimes we look and go, oh, geez, oh, that's a bit, a bit tight, but he, he does it very effectively. And again, he yeah. does, he actually gets that ball moving very, very quickly, I, even though it doesn't look I know, I know the very type of, the type of situation you're talking about. And I think Starfelt is happy to take that risk because his manager's telling him to do it. Yep. And if he takes it, it doesn't work out. You know, from different articles we've read and videos we've seen recently, Andrew will say, no problem, Carl Starfelt. I've asked you to do it. Let's kick on. What's your take on that? We mentioned that about a month ago, I think. Starfelt was maybe getting a wee bit, getting a wee bit tight because the media was just his, trying to find a, a thread to pick on, a thread to pull on. And I said at the time, one thing he is, is brave. Mm-hmm. You know, and getting sniped and all that stuff, he still comes out. He still makes the risky ball. And that's because Angie's told him, I'll never give you a hard time for that. So what's Welsh not picking up in, in training? What are the other players not picking up in training? They think, oh, I better not take the risk because they've got, they've got, Angie's got their back. Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting one. It's, it's a great question because if you're Stephen Welsh, what do you do? Your first priority when you come in is, I don't want to make a mistake. Don't make here. a mistake. I want I'm not playing much football. Yeah. But Angie's encouraging you to go and make that mistake or make that higher risk pass. And it's a very difficult one. Chris, you triggered something as well, um, or a, you know, something you reminded me of. Early in the season, James, when you and I were at some of the games, you know, we are kind of fairly high up. You see a lot of the runs that Kyogo was making and not getting. And we were thinking, as soon as these guys get up to speed with Kyogo, you know, whether it's McGregor or Rodgers or otherwise, we're, you know, we're going to bear fruit on this. I've now noticed that creeping in in the last few weeks, Maeda's making those runs, Rodgers himself and Hatati's made a few and they're flagging. And actually there was one on Sunday, I can't remember who it was. He was really frustrated not to get the pass. I think it was Rodgers. He'd made the run and I think... Once we get a bit braver, you know, I think we're nearly there. See, once this, it's easy to forget we're, what, I don't know, eight months into Ange time, all that stuff. See, once he's got all the players he wants and everyone singing and dancing, it's going to be a thing of beauty. See, <laughs> it gets me excited, right? You make a great point, right? I've noticed it myself as well, just recently with my uh, Maeda coming in, and especially with Kyogo, right? More than MD. And I've said it to a few people, I feel as if for us, I call them the superstars, I think Kyogo and Jota are the superstars and see once it clicks, mm-hmm. it's going to be great. We've added since that probably, I'm talking about probably, that was November, let's just say November time and I see them, this looks good. We've added, as I said, Maeda, O'Reilly um, to that, Hitati. See once we get this full thing in place again, this kind of machine running. Mm-hmm. I, honestly, it's it's got so much potential. Again, it's kind of butterflies my stock even think about it because you're one again, you're trying to be kind of um I'm not saying you're just trying to obviously rain expectations in, but if you can get that working right, it's again it's, it's gonna be f- absolutely fantastic. It starts, and that's where Angie's trying to say it starts from the back, right? And so sometimes I'm going right back. I'm talking about Joe Hart. Sometimes you're like, whoa, oh, yeah. whoa, 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 hang fire here. Joe, I think it's like it was a heart, better be a heart scheme or Aberdeen or probably both. He's thrown balls out again with one goal with 10 minutes to go. But again, mm. it's that's what it is. It's intense play for 90 minutes because it doesn't stop. And that's what he, that's what he wants to do. And I think, again, getting back to Stephen Welsh, I, I think with Stephen Welsh was probably a bit unlucky because he has been out in the cold, right? Because he might look at it and go, right, what am I doing wrong? I think Stephen Welsh suffers. And I kind of contradict myself a wee bit here is because he's no naturally left, it's no left-sided. Mm-hmm. That, that, that doesn't go for him. Whereas Carol Starfield's got a wee bit more time when he's no naturally left, left-sided in order to actually make it work. So I think that's like a game time for Stephen Welsh. And I'm trying to stick up for him a wee bit. Yeah. So, but I think, again, getting back to the whole, as I say, I call it the machine, there is a lot to come from Celtic still once we get these components in place. But I think that as well, we need to continue, they need to be rotated quite a lot because of the intensity, intensity itself. And I think yesterday we've seen a few of those components maybe, as I said, without getting into detail again of these individuals themselves. I think we've got a wee bit to go that for that perspective as well. Yeah. So, no, good. Oh, listen, all positive, all yeah. positive. Glad to hear as well on this uh, Valentine's Day, you're getting those butterflies in your stomach. That's what me and James are here for, to get, <laughs> to get you excited and, and enjoying your night. Um, you spoke about Jota and absolutely, the guy is a, a superstar all day long. So let's cover a bit of him. So James, I don't think there was ever any doubt they Celtic were going to win this game uh, on Sunday but Q Jota he enters the fray around about 10 minutes into the second half and he showed just why so many fans are keen for us to tie him down on a permanent deal he's a class above and he just he also seems to be really enjoying his time at Celtic yeah he, he is and you know since you ever started watching football whatever age you were players that get you up off your seat you know that that's football the world over that's what everyone wants to see and, and he is that guy he's getting some great service as well you know the ball from Hatati that he got across to 
uh, Jackamacus. But yeah, it, Jota individually. As much as I would say Angie's system doesn't really promote individuality in any way, shape or form, it's, it's a team unit. Um, Jota brings a lot to that unit. Um, just by the, by the way he plays football. Yeah, it's a bit of both, I think. It's certainly a team thing, but I think once you get into that final third, you go for broke, I think, is Angie's message. Do what you want to do. Do your flicks, tricks, and, and the things that make you unique as a footballer. And that's where Jotas and Kyogos and Abadas and Maedas and throw anyone else you want in that mix. That's when these guys really, you know, come to life. But you see the difference Jota makes when he comes in to the team itself. And I'm talking about from the, the dirty stuff, like in terms of picking the ball up, bringing other players into the, ga- into, the, into the game as well, it's fantastic. As I said, we suffered for that in the first half yesterday. He comes in and he's got his own individual brilliance as well, but he's got that kind of digging in, helping out again, Aberdeen, just thinking about him, him, him. I thought him and Taylor were brilliant against Aberdeen, how they just mm-hmm. kind of interlinked and played with one another both defensively and offensively. So he's he's got it all. I think he's, again, he's a fantastic player and it's just, I think we're on the same boat. We just keep our fingers crossed and you're kind of just checking social media to see, right, where we're at, right, is this the day? Is this yeah. going to happen? Him and the big man at the back as well. Yeah. So, you know, he has a special talent. If he didn't, how long do you think it would take Angie to replace him? That's the thing. I, I think Angie's got such an eye. He's shown he's got such an eye for a player, but don't, don't be giving us that. Can I talk? I know. I actually, break I seen, my heart, Jamie. You're breaking my heart here, no? I've seen, uh, seen some screen grabs from some sort of Benfica message boards. I don't know what their equivalent of Kerrydale Street or the Huddle Board is, but the Benfica boards anyway, and they're cracking up. They're seeing him doing all these brilliant things, not just domestically. I think they've got their, their viewpoint in the Scottish League, but they're seeing that he's doing it in Europe as well. And one of them was talking about when he, you know, when he ended up in the stands after the late winner that Abada scored against Dundee United, you know, the famous picture now, Jota, King of Glasgow type thing. And they're saying, how has this happened? This is a, a young, homegrown talent and he's excelling elsewhere. My only fear, James, I suppose, in, you know, in terms of what you were suggesting, is that he may want to go and prove a point back at Benfica. You know, I, I don't think Celtic, Celtic are in the driving seat, but if his first love football-wise is Benfica, that might be the pull. But when it remain positive on it, it'd be great to get him over the line because he's yeah. loving it here. Benfica can't stop the deal. It's there if Jota wants it, but Jota as an individual That's as can say, I would like to. The, the player can choose yeah. to remain. We'll see. Let's stay positive on that, Chris. I know yep. you're, you look worried about it. So. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, another player who came on as a second half sub and to a standing ovation, ovation no less, was Chris Julian. Uh, this was his first appearance in 409 days. I only know that because it's on his Instagram and he's he's doing his thing. He likes the old gram, doesn't he? And yeah, he's, you know, giving it all the noise about, you know, blessed and good to be back and all that kind of stuff we've come to expect. Are you glad to see him back, Chris? And do you think he fits into this Celtic side under Ange? I'm glad to see the big man back. He has his faults as well, has his flaws, but I think um, I think he's a player before his injury that could excel under the, the, the style that Ange plays. But you've got to be cautious as well with injuries like that because it can take, it can really knock the stuffing out of you in terms of, you, can, you might not be that same player again. I've seen it. We've seen it again over the number. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you just need to take a game at a time with Julian. As I said, there might be, as I said, we all thought he might have started yesterday um, coming in there. But again, the way these the games are going to come thick and fast, it is. Again, you might find that Julian might be called upon at some point, and that's when he will really find out. As I said, I think it'll be he'll be there in the periphery. I think between now and the end of the season, I don't unless we really really need him. So. Yeah, I'm glad to see him back. But as I said, I'm, I just I hope we can get him back to the player that he was before. But as I said, he can't put too much expectation in the guy as well because, as I said, it was a, that's a real, real bad injury to come back from. Yeah, I think also, just very naturally, it would take him a bit of time to get up to speed. It's one thing, you know, doing the shift up at Lennox Town, completely different and apart, you know, in a match situation where you're having to twist and turn and respond to situations and tricky wingers up against you. I actually don't think we'll see much of him slotting in. And, and why would you? Why would you break up such a solid centre defence parent? James, you've got your own thoughts on, on Julian. Where do you see him featuring? I think it is that. You know, you don't want to upset that parent for sure. Um, but you'll get minutes when, you know, maybe someone's gone off an injury or is rested or suspended or whatever. I think it is going to be that himself and Welsh you know, picking up the, the sub-slots for Carter Vickers and Starfelt. You know, I'm long on record as to what I think of Julian as a player. I think he flatters to deceive. But what I would say is, if you'd asked me Tony Ralston, my opinion on Ralston this time last year, or Greg Taylor, it wouldn't be too positive and look at what they're doing now. So as much as those two, he deserves a clean slate. So let's see what he can do. Very fair-minded. Um, I think as well, I think it was you that made the point to me, Chris, a while ago. So everyone talks about, it was Chris Julian that got Lyndon Dykes' move to QPR. You know, yeah. <laughs> he never impressed as much as when he was up against Julian. People also talk about Morelos bullying him and that kind of thing. I think you made the point, Chris, that 
We've got two centre-halves there, so if we do come up against a big physical striker, and maybe that isn't Julian's game, put Carter Vickers on that guy and let Julian be the ball-playing centre-half that he definitely is. There's one thing that he does very well, and he gets it very quickly from a centre-half position out to a right-winger or a left-winger, bypassing the right and left back. He's got a very good, you know, sweeping move to get the ball out there. And I think that's what Ange sees in him, and I think that's what Ange might like about him. And it'd be, be very interesting to see him and Carter Vickers and a proper competitive game and see how that shapes up. So I think that was, it was a conversation outside Costa actually, you know, we're having a wee brief thanks, chat about that. Thanks for the latter. Uh, uh, um, that's it. But no, you're absolutely right. I think Chris Julian suffered to a degree that him and Chris I were very similar players. So what happened, there wasn't that physicality and that's what Celtic were crying out for probably when Shane Duffy was coming in. We're looking for that no-nonsense centre-half to come in there and actually do the dirty stuff. So Julian could, again, he was very dominant here. Julian is quite dominant here, but again, he is very, again, very lightweight when it comes to the kind of the the, yeah, absolutely. So I think it's that again, that's absolutely right. You know, you get somebody like uh, Carter Vickers to come in and maybe do the dirty stuff for him. And and I think I would be, he is very suited to what Ange, uh, Ange uh, wants to play because he's got, he's got a great range of passing as well. Again, there was one of these things that flashed up in uh, Twitter the other, the, other, the other day and it was talking about how we played Aberdeen. It was like three years ago when we beat them 4 0. And there was a pass, there was an interlink that was play interlinking kind of passage of play when Julian was fantastic again it was just he pinged the ball into the corner came back and then he played it inside to Edward who then goes on to score and it's just something very similar probably what we see at the moment I thought mm-hmm. that's quite interesting to see that passage of play but at the same time as I said that again is clean slate for him to be honest yeah. with you because again there's a lot of expectations it's a different it's a different team yeah. um, I, I was actually very surprised at the strong ovation he got I was pleased to see it pleased for the guy you know just you know, good for him as a character to, you know, get himself back from such a tough injury. But it's funny, if you just, if all you done was went online and, you know, didn't attend any of the games, you would see this real backlash on Julian on Twitter. Lots of noise about how bad he is. Then in the stadium, you know, I think the vast, vast majority were really delighted for the guy. And it was probably one of the biggest roars of the day, actually. It was a fairly quiet day overall. And he gets such a warm ovation. See, I think Celtic fans are between this, like, kind of between two pillars right here. So you've got one who are dead against him coming in, the London Dyke situation. Then you've got people come in and think he's going to be Maldini in terms of he's coming to come in and he's going to be a fantastic mm-hmm. defender. I think he's somewhere in between. I think, as I said, for me, he's great in the air. I think he's great offensively as well in the air. I think we've already seen that as well. And I just think he needs that somebody in there in terms of if it's old Chris Julian pre-injury, he just needs somebody in there to kind of solidify himself. So we can't get too carried away one way or another to say, listen, he's absolutely rotten, we need to write him off. But at the same time, we can't get too excited to say, listen, he's going to be the answer in terms of what we're looking for potentially coming in at the centre half. I think that's part of it. That just, you know, as football fans, you like to see a guy who's come back from an injury and support him as part of that. I mean, you know, as I say, I'm, I'm not a huge fan, but I gave him a round of applause on at the park yesterday. He's been out for, you know, was four, it 400, 400 days, days, James. After he uh, caused himself to get injured. Not so, having that. It's true. If he had any positional sense, he would have done that. Bathcast caused himself to get injured. But we'll not get into it. We're going to get caught up in semantics. I like the suggestion that he's somewhere near Maldini. I will take that <laughs> version of Chris Julian all day long. Uh, so, so, so he. Yeah. So listen, good luck to him. Hopefully we see a bit more in between now and the end of the season and we'll see how, how he fits in or not to this Ange system. Uh, that said, you know, just to wrap up things on Wraith Rovers, all really comfy in the end. You know, Jot inspired. He's, you know, he's turned the screw. He set up Jack Amakis. Nice, cool finish. Maeda's done well like, on the end of a Tony Ralston flick from a corner. MB Tons somehow scrambled a penalty over the line after a terrible effort. Anyway, 4-0 is 4-0, so that's all good. Uh, the most important thing, as with any cup game, is that it now takes you into the, the next round. Uh, and in terms of the Scottish Cup in general, where is that for you in terms of priority? We've won the League Cup. We're certainly battling hard in the league. We've got Europe to look forward to again on Thursday. Where does the Scottish Cup rank amongst everything going on? It, it depends, I suppose, is the answer. Um, That's not an answer. I need more. I'm going to give you more. <laughs> uh, if it was, if we had a few points of a cushion in the, in the league, maybe start to put a bit more focus on it and stuff like that. It doesn't really matter because Angie's going into every game treating it the same. So, and we obviously know that from him, his comments post-match yesterday and during match yesterday. Yeah. So... <sighs> Once it, as it gets closer to finals and things like that, it really does start to take on significance because it's a, a maiden season treble is, is on the cards for Ange, you know, as, as you get to it. But you don't want to end up in a situation where you, you get that and you don't get the league. The league is the thing and if the cup comes, but it's part of your momentum, great. Yeah. I know, and it, you obviously can't foresee what might and might not play out with different things. Chris, 12 more league wins and three Scottish Cup wins secures your treble. Am I getting ahead of myself? <laughs> when you make it that simple that's all it is deep, when, deep listen, breaths, they're, deep in breaths. A, they're in a 20 game unbeaten streak in the league 
I'm only asking for 12 more. Is that too much to ask, Ange? In three Scottish Cup games. You just keep the fingers crossed, you know. Keep the fingers crossed. Yeah. It's just good that we're talking about these things again, isn't it? James, you picked up a, an interesting one. We're approaching an anniversary in a week or so's time. Tell us. 24th of February 2021, when Neil Lennon left Celtic and the healing began. The healing began. It's been a hell of a 12 months since then, hasn't it? Just so much has changed and, and for the better. I don't want to make this a, you know, thing about Lennon and anti Lennon otherwise. And I think history will look kindly generally on Neil Lennon. Um, but Celtic have entered a whole new year now, haven't they? Absolutely. Um, and again, it's Ange, it's got, we've got to thank for it. Um, we even look at, again, the concern was getting back to the start of the season, even the, the scouting department, how we again would recruit players and how the identification and stuff like that. The, everything has been a breath of fresh air. You look at the recruitment process over these two, two transfer windows and you get sometimes, again, transfer windows where they're hitting a miss. You went two transfer windows, and it's absolutely frightening in terms of like, the recruitment we've managed to, to actually bring in from now, from from then until now. And still it's, doing it, yeah. Still and so, still going through that transition. I think you said before, Ferguson said if he get one and two, he'd be delighted of his of his signings. You know, if one and two worked out, and and just hitting something like nine and eleven. Frightening. You know I mean? So it's it's again it's it's brilliant. As I said, they've got a big man to thank for it. Absolutely. Um, what we'll do now, we'll just take a short look um, at Aberdeen last week again. Like all games, have you know got. A, post-match reaction the final whistle show if you want to go looking for that um, but Aberdeen at Pataudry Chris it's a, a difficult fix at any time I know they're, they're struggling just now and ultimately Stephen Glass has just lost his job there at the weekend following a poor run of results that said they still made it tricky for us you know up there um, but ultimately Celtic done enough to get the three points what did you think of the performance? I, I, was, I thought it was I think the first half was great Um as always a tough place to go to Um and you know what regardless of how bad again Aberdeen teams have been in the past you're always going to get that reaction whether playing Celtic or Rangers um, and we did see that in the second half they put us under a lot of pressure and Celtic showed the resilience to come back so I thought the performance was great initially as I said we began to tire in the second half and we showed that resilience to basically to get, get us over the line in terms of the third goal itself but there's small margins in football as well, but in terms of talk about the the Jota goal, them for again in terms of one side offside type stuff, and that they, these these things kind of make the changes to the game as well. So it could have been different, but again, it's Celtic were tested and they come out the other end, and again, obviously got the three points. So we're going through a period of time again, coming out the back end of the, the Rangers game, but you've got Fir Park and then going to Petordi. That is their two difficult ties, regardless again how bad. Mother or Aberdeen Mayor. So it was great to you know to see is that again obviously just getting across the line and getting the three points because as you're saying that in terms of the number of games coming up and the potential mm. trebles and stuff like that, one game at a time. And again, these are like, we begin to see these games that are coming up for us and go right, that could be difficult. And the Hearts game the game was one of them. Rangers, Motherwell, Aberdeen, these yeah. are all diff difficult ties. These are all tough difficult game for us. You're absolutely right. And Angie's definitely taking it one game at a time and, and the team will definitely be doing that. We're off ski. I'm, I'm looking at wee chunks. I'm won these three games and yeah, this two, two and in that. a row. Yeah, I'm doing doubles at least. Um, but I think you're you're absolutely spot on in terms of a lot of people spoke about that run of games there between Hearts at Tynecastle, obviously the Rangers game, Aberdeen at Petardry, Motherwell at Fir Park. You were up against all the top six and Hibs and Dundee United, wherever they top are seven. at this moment in time. Uh, and we've managed to come through that 100% record. It's, it's just really impressive. Um, James, I mean, on the Aberdeen game itself, were you concerned when Aberdeen got the equaliser? I know, like a lot of previous equalisers, it's not lasted long and we've gone up and dealt with it very quickly, but was there a bit of concern seeping in at that time in the game? Less than I have been before. You know, things like Livy and United, where it was a flat game and <clears> there was no energy and things weren't coming off. Um, you're... I suppose the thing was, and to their credit, Aberdeen didn't equalise and then say, right, we're now going to sit on this. You know, they, they, they kept trying to push even after we, we went in the lead again. Look what that done for your job, Stephen. <sighs> Just on that, I, th I think he's been treated really harshly there. I mean, what do you expect from a guy, Stephen Glass? I don't know, he's ninth. Ninth? He's ninth in the league. But I expect at least eighth. He's four points off of fourth as well. It's I know, tight. I know, there's a know? real, uh, you know, tight kind of net group there. And it's a funny one. He's, it's not like he's coming and taking over Man U after Fergie, but... Derry McInnes, I think, done a better job than a lot of folk would like yeah. to give him credit for. Yeah. He's come in during a time of transition. Yeah, generally speaking, I would, I would like to have seen him got more time. You don't want to see anyone lose their job within reason, depends who we're talking about. But I thought I thought he, he maybe would have got a bit more time, but it just the guy Dave Cormack's under pressure as well. He's coming in and made a lot of noise yeah. and ultimately ninth and then getting out the cup against Murrow. It's just how football goes. You don't get that time these days. Yeah, maybe. And, you know, Barry Robson came in there and then... In the I love Barry Robson. So just, I love <laughs> him. Exactly, I was going to say, a real winner. Yeah. You know, so he won't, 
if you think about the training sessions he'll be putting into the Aberdeen players, yeah. he'll be running them right through it and Bruni's, Bruni's somewhere in the mix as well. So it could be what saved their season. You know, what, what have they got to play for? Maybe pushing into Europe, maybe. Yeah, back back top six. Anyway, anyway sorry. Enough, enough of the Aberdeen, the, the Aberdeen exchange. <laughs> um, your question was, was I worried? Uh, not, not, not as worried as I've been in the past and he didn't have any time to worry about it anyway, so. Yeah. Chris, it was another occasion where, where Jota stepped up to the mark, so that was his ninth and tenth goals of the season. I think he's got eight assists after that, assist against Wraith Rovers as well, so brilliant, brilliant numbers by him and he's just, you know, I don't know if he's ever had any doubters, but he's just showing time and again how important he is to this team. Oh, brilliant. Again, as I said, just already touched on it uh, tonight, it just feels as if it was more than just these goals he's bringing, uh, bringing to us, especially that game defensively with Greg Taylor. Absolutely fantastic, bringing players into the game. I thought the big man was absolutely superb. He said he takes his goal fantastically well with the both goals because again, if the first goal you think to yourself, mate, listen, I'm going to get clattered here by the goalkeeper or mm. the defender or both, goes in, touches the ball in the back of the net. So it shows a wee bit of bravery doing that and then also being the right place at the right time um, for the second goal, which was, was brilliant as well. So yeah. I think as well, you know, there's the obvious things, you know, there's the goals, the assist, there's a tracking back, but he also brings something which is hard to measure, hard to gauge, and it's just an energy. I think he lifts the crowd, you know, and, and you see him trying to, you know, f you know, get the crowd going. He also lifts the guys around him. I think he's mm -hmm. one of those guys, and I, th I put Callum McGregor in this. When you're a Celtic player and you either hear that team or you're lining up, you know, waiting for the ref's whistle at the start of a game and you glance over and Jota's there or McGregor's there and a few other big characters, I just think, you know, some of these guys have got something about them. Call it aura, call it what you will. And I think Jota's got it in spades. Yeah, it's, it's presence as much as anything else. You know, guys, you know, are in the room before you see them, kind of thing. Um, he's he's just got that little bit of magic, you know, and and that presence that lifts other players. Yeah. So big bit of magic. Um, and just mentioned the word relentless in recent interviews, and that's definitely what we we'll need to be if we're going to go on and win the league. We're now unbeaten in twenty league games, so that's seventeen wins, three draws, which you know I would say that's pretty relentless. We've not been behind in a game at any point during that twenty game run, you know, and that I think that's phenomenal. I think it just speaks volumes, particularly for the Carter Vickers and the Starfelts, about their concentration. You know, mm -hmm. everyone loves to just look at the, the, the goals against chart, and I think it's 15 goals against in 26 games, which in itself is pretty good. But there's so much more to it. And see, just in terms of staying switched on and focused, it's a huge part of the success. It's interesting because if you look at our traditional centre-half duties, they wouldn't be anything like they are under Ange. So you have got that, you know, potential to drift in games that you, you, know, you lose concentration. You can't really in, a, in an Ange centre-half position because even if you're not defending, you're there to start an attack. Yep. So it's, that's maybe contributed to them being so switched on all the time, but they deserve great plaudits, the two of them, and then you know, the whole back four and Joe Hart as well. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, it speaks volumes in terms of their aggressiveness and how they're playing right. And I mentioned, again, I hate to reminisce in terms of the again, a year ago, but that's a big difference between where we were then and where we are now in defensively. It's just, we are so aggressive. And I'm not talking about battering people, I'm talking about aggressive in our play. Again, making sure second ball, closing down, winning balls. Again, whether it be coming in for a kind of set pieces, whatever else, uh, there is a kind of aggressiveness about us in terms of making sure we're winning that and seeing we win that. We basically we're recycling the play and moving on. You can see it big time. And again, they don't get enough credit. By the way, um, Carol Starfelt and Carol, it doesn't matter again. Quite the opposite, they get criticism. And they, they do, actually. Again, I, again, I see some some um, parts of the media having a go, for example, uh, um, start Carol Starfelt by the way he actually plays. But again, when you look at what he does and what he contributes, it's, fan it's absolutely fantastic. So yeah. I think actually what you're seeing is that Angie's team... I, they're a reflection of him as mm -hmm. a personality. There's a, there's a, you know, there's a quiet determination and aggression about Ange. You know, he's a, he's a very decent, and respectful guy, but you just see he's got that grittiness and that aggression used in you know the positive sense of the word. And I think that just you know flows through his team. That that's what's playing out in front of us. Yep, definitely. That's hundred percent. It doesn't matter again in terms of aggressiveness, aggressiveness at the back defensively. You're right. It's right across the board. Yeah, it's midfield. It's strikers, it's about how we're pressing in the right, right areas. It's fantastic, it's great to see. And as, as, it just is for fundamental of how the probably the persona of the guy himself. So, again, relentless, absolutely yeah. rel relentless. That's the key word. Um, to go back to the Aberdeen game, so Jota, obviously the main man getting the, the opener and the winner ultimately. Another guy who, who scored the night, Matt O'Reilly, that was his first goal for the club at Pataudry. Uh, we'll actually be speaking to him tomorrow. I think Paddy's picking that one up as part of a, a fan media event. So, what to look forward to, but how big an impact has he had since coming in? He's the gap between Ryan Christie and uh, in the January transfer window. Those balls that aren't going through to Kyogo, to Meira, 
Matt O'Reilly's the guy that can pick those passes. Hatati can to a degree as well, but he's maybe playing a slightly different position. You've seen it. You actually saw it against Aberdeen. It wasn't just the one that he got through to Maida um, that you know ended up the looping ball and all that stuff. There was several balls because O'Reilly was switched on to what Maida was up to. So yeah. I think that's going to be one of his big impacts. I don't know if it fits based on the two of them being so similar, but I'd love to see him and Rodic in the same lineup at some point. Uh, I just think too much for Scottish football to handle. Double ten kind of thing. But just one on the right, one on the left. We usually yeah. go Hatati and Rodic. Generally speaking, at this moment in time, could we go Rodic in the right and Hatati in the left? I don't know. I don't know. Again, I really, I think it really depends who you're going to be up against. I think that might it could even work against a team that are going to probably part the bus quite a lot in terms of trying to break down a player, find these kind New of creators. Yeah, aye. Um, so I think it could work. Again, it makes my kind of my head explode when I think about it. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, but we'll just need to see how things go in the next couple of weeks so that's it but it could be pretty exciting but yeah great win up in Aberdeen again I'd mentioned it just showing that resilience as well you know some of the beautiful football we've seen has been a, a joy sometimes you also need to roll up the sleeves I think that's what they've done and they got over the line there in the same way that they've done recently against Hearts uh, the one at Aberdeen that was the 7th straight league win on the bounce and next up in league duty certainly is Dundee at Celtic Park on Sunday afternoon some kind of funny stats around them so they're second bottom of the table they've won just one in their last 10 league games but that one win was just last week against Hearts at Tynecastle. So, you know, are we, unusually, you know, they've kind of lost pretty much everything else out of the last nine game. We get them just after they beat Hearts. Will it be a tough one? I think, you, you know, you've got to respect the opposition, as we've said earlier in the show here. And, you know, and you'll certainly do that. Home game, aye. Celtic Park, Celtic Park, Park Sunday. I think and you'll be just really ready for that. And if it's anything, you know, we obviously beat them. 6-0 earlier in the season we are a much better team now than we were then so unless they are a much much better team now than they were then it should be a comfy victory for Celtic Are you saying 12-0? 12 12-0 nil? 12 nil. That's what I'm hearing Are we twice as good as we were before? Uh, Chris we beat Dundee as James mentioned there back in early August Kyogo announced his arrival that day with his hat trick um, we also won 4-2 at Dens Park in November Kyogo got a couple on that day as well as did Jota do you expect it to be comfortable on Sunday? I do, to be honest with you, but I'm taking every league game as a cup final. Mm -hmm. So um, there's a pessimist within me going, bite your tongue. But yeah, it should be comfortable. It really should be because from what I've seen at Dundee, they play a different way from different different teams in terms. I keep using the Livingston night, the, the, the infamous Livingston. Um, so you tend to find that James McPake Pe- Pe- team comes out and plays a wee bit more than some of these teams for, kind of follow down the league. And that's entirely up to him how he wants to play it. So, but as I said, it's still, again, every game's a cup final, so we can't, we can't be complacent in any way. Um, so just a hopeful, again, it should be a comfortable victory. I, I do believe it will be a comfortable victory, yeah. but again, at the same time, we cannot let, like I was saying about Rafe Rovers earlier on, we cannot let, let, like, let the expectation levels drop or these performance levels drop because that's when it'll come back to bite us in the yeah. backside. I, I think you're right, James McPake's teams, they definitely play a different way from other teams. His Dundee team are murder and, and other teams are, are decent. And that's the whole problem. That's why they find themselves yep. second bottom of the league. Careful now. Um, so they've banned uh, Cummings and Griffiths and you might have hungry guys come in. Yeah. yeah. That might be a, a the, positive The fun. night's out will be less fun, but yeah. as a football team, we should be <laughs> a bit more organised. Chris, uh, just for fun, from the 6-0 game, so I mentioned Kyogo got his hat-trick. Rodic also scored that day, as did Tony, Tony Ralston. Can you remember who got the other one? Ryan Christie. He got a few assists, I think, for Kyogo. Name the goals again. Kyogo Hattrick, Tom Rogic, Tony Ralston, and A another. Nah. You were there, were you not? Nah. Thank you. Yeah. Can't remember. One Odson Edward. All right, did he? Remember that guy? See you later. Um, so yeah, Lassen would be delighted with anything like that kind of result in performance uh, this time around. Can I ask you for your scoreline predictions or come to you first, James? Stick him with the 12 or are you going a bit more? Are you doing Thursday first? No, no, Sunday first. I guess Sunday. Sunday. Sunday first, Thursday next. Uh, 4 now. 4-1. 4-1. So you know Celtic have only lost two league goals at home all season. I'm only saying 4-1 because Jamie said 4-0. And Just to mix it up. Mix it up. Well, enough. that's fair enough. I'm going 3-0. 5-0. <laughs> I, th- I think they're so, so comfy at home at this moment. Not comfy. Ange doesn't like us getting comfy. I won't fall into that trap. But I just think we're so... Dominant. Exactly that. So aggressive. And I think there's a real pride with that back line plus Joe Hart in terms of keeping clean sheets. I can't see Dundee scoring against us. If they do, we'll just score nah, another well, one. Well, there you go. 4-0, right? Revise it 4-0, because Jamie... Was, are you saying 5-0, Jamie? Four, I'm sticking. Right, 4-0. Yeah. Four, two 4-0s, four then. Yeah. It's clear as mud here, guys. I'll go 3-0. Celtic 1. Celtic 1. Celtic 1. Celtic 1. Celtic 1. Celtic 1. Celtic 1
James four. four, Chris five. Surely one is over right. So <laughs> yeah. let's see how that yeah, goes. Really smooth there, eh? Just, oh, aye. Just, <laughs> I do, I do <laughs> slick <laughs> operation. Uh, yeah, James in reverse order. So we obviously looked at Sunday first. Let's go back to Thursday because that's how we do things. So yeah, before uh, all of the weekend action, we're back in European action and it's Norwegian champions Bodo Glimp who were the visitors in the Europa Conference League on Thursday, 8 o'clock, I think it is, at Celtic Park. James, they're unbeaten since the 12th of December. However... That's only because they've not had any games since that time. They're a summer league, so they don't play during these winter months. They clinched the league title uh, on the last day of the season. I think it was Mulder. They beat to the title. You said you'd listen to a wee bit about them then on that, that podcast that Andrew's on this morning. Um, what do you know of them or what can you expect from them? So this is the thing. So 24 hours ago, I'm making an ass of myself in the aftermatch saying that we're going to you know, score a barrel of goals and get the, the tie dealt with in the first leg. I don't think it'll be that way at all. Even if I haven't done just a bit of scant research on them. Uh, they play the same kind of football as us. They'll play attacking football, 4-3-3, very much uh, an Ange-style philosophy. So they'll come in a wee bit cold in terms of, you know, start of the season, all that kind of stuff. They've lost a few players. Um, that That's our opportunity more than anything else, not, not their ability, not their style of football. It could be something like a, a 4-3-4-2 Celtic that'd be my, my lean I think it's a real plus they were at home first because as you say they, they, I think they've played they've been in Spain or something doing some kind of uh, friendlies and, and kind of prep work for this but they've not played any competitive football since their last league game 12th of December uh, they have lost key players they've lost their captain Patrick Berg he's mm-hmm. away Lens Long in France um, their main striker Eric Botheim got to Krasnodar they've lost two players to Hibs couple of others. They've also brought some players in, which I know zero about, so we'll see how that goes. But I just think the fact that Celtic Park, on a frenzied European night, under the lights and everything we know of, being their first game back, they could get really caught start, up in that ra- rabbit in the headlights type stuff. Celtic could have this tie done and dusted. I'm not getting away ahead of myself, but there's an opportunity for Celtic to deal with this tie in the first 90 minutes. I think so, for those two reasons. Change of personnel they've got that I'm aware of. You mentioned Patrick Berger now and also be coming in cold. I think this is a perfect opportunity for Celtic. I don't really see any reason why we shouldn't be getting to win convincingly, to be honest with you. Um, the only thing I would say is that when you look at their uh, Europa League results, there is a few again, eye-watering results that are yeah. in you're going, wow, what's going on there? So, they beat Roma, or something. They beat Roma yeah. 6-1, 6-1. Although I believe... Uh, Mourinho was at it there. There was something to do with <clears throat> resting players for something political. There was something at play. He's always got some, isn't he? But 6-1 is 6-1. Yeah, you know, yeah. bad teams don't beat Roma 6-1. They're certainly there to be respected. There's people linking them to the Rosenberg sides of 10 and 15 years ago who had some really decent European runs. And they're now that kind of team in Scandinavia. By all accounts, they play good football and, and it sounds like they do something similar to us. But Celtic should be capable of, of dealing with a side like this. And if not, we're maybe not as far ahead in the you know, the progress under Ange as we thought. I just I think it gives an opportunity. We're talking about the Rafe Rovers game when players come in. This is, again, not to say they expect, again, they're going to be squad rotation quite as much as they've done against probably Rafe Rovers, but this should give players, again, again something else to look forward to. And as you said, you know, under the lights, European nights will be brilliant. Again, these should be electric. So it gives us, again, an, it's another thing probably, again, obviously our main focus is the league, um, but again, this just gives us something else to kind of, kind of loosen, I'm not saying loosen off, what's the kind of, kind of term I'm looking for? It's just to be a wee bit more to kind of get the juices flowing, let's yeah. just say. A um, bit more free-flowing. And that's a bit more free-flowing, exactly. And that's the reason why I think it should be comfortable for Celtic. But it's, it's another opportunity. European nights under the lights will be brilliant. It should be fantastic. So yeah. it's something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just in terms of some of the kind of uh, headline stats about Bodo. So they play, I think it's called the Aspemira Stadion, uh, approximately 8,500 capacity. So it tells you where we're at in terms of size of club. Um, it's an artificial surface, but by all accounts, I was on a Norwegian podcast last week, as you do, and the fellow was telling me that it's quite a slick surface, quite a you know a good surface. They have to be artificial surfaces out there because the temperature on the day could be in the region of minus six. It's an Arctic Circle. <laughs> so, it's uh, proper up there. So get your uh, under armour on and your, your snood looked out. So it could be cold there uh, for the guys. So for that reason alone, let's get the tie done and dusted if we can uh, in the first leg. Another disappointing stat is that, you may know this one, you may be ahead of me, but Celtic haven't won a European knockout tie after Christmas since when? Is it Moscow? Something like that. Spartak Moscow or something? Further back. Here's yeah. a clue. Lenny was playing. Copenhagen. So it was 2004. Celtic beat Barcelona. Uh, Alan Thompson got the goal at Celtic Park in March of 2004. We drew nothing each in the return leg at the new Camp. That was when David Marshall was performing heroics. And we got through then and then Valerie Alpert is out. That is far too long. That's nearly 20 years. 
it's a false stat as well, though, because you need to say how many knockout ties have they played and lost. Well, that's on us to not have got to more knockout ties as well. And Celtic are in Europe every year. And in nearly 20 years, that's, that's listen, you can dress up <laughs> stats to do what you like at times, but you can't dress that up. That is, that is yeah. there. We've got to, if nothing else, to blow that stat out of the water. We've just got to go and take care of this tie. Aye, um, I can't believe that. It's actually kind of knocking the knocked me. Um, off my stride there that's the thing about again Rob's going back and I was thinking again I was going to say Villarreal but we played Villarreal there after that again well, they put, kind of put us out yeah, um, yeah, so again that's how far back I was going but that's incredible but you're right to know I think again, the expectation that needs to be a lot better and I think that's like, especially over the past 10 years Celtic should have been doing a lot better in terms of these competitions in terms but, of Europe we know that we know that ourselves but at the same time as, as well a lot of other things that the media try to load and shouldn't be rucksacking any other manager's no, baggage, no, you know, it's a not. clean slate and he's not the guy who's going to be sitting doing anything but blasting yeah. through his tie. These aren't Angie's stats or records and I think he, I think he loves European football. I think you'd made, made the, the point, James, coming over here as an Australian coach, he wants to benchmark himself, not just against what's going on domestically. He wants to come up and say, we're also as good as XYZ European teams and I think he takes us really seriously. Just in terms of um, the tournament as a whole, this is a, this is a playoff that would take us into the last 16 if we win. Uh, so if we beat Bodo Glimp, other teams still in the mix there would include Leicester, Roma, PSV, Marseille, AZ Alkmaar, who we've played and beat this season. Good Nervy. Uh, Mitchelland, who have beat us this season. Celtic are currently around about ninth favourite at around about 20 to 1 with the bookmakers. It was 25, so clearly there's been a, a bit of money on that. Again, I'll ask you a similar question to what I asked about the Scottish Cup. Where is the priority for this? I think Ange just has this up here as well, but where is it for you? Yeah. I, I mean, is it important that we start to restore that reputation in Europe? Of course it is. It just is my, my kind of fear uh, about not being laser focused on the league. But I don't think Ange focuses on Europe at the cost of the league. I just don't think he focuses on any game at the cost of another game. He's like, there's a game, go and win that game. That's all I'm asking you to do. Don't worry about tournaments, don't worry about trophies. I'll take care of that. You go and win the game. So mm. yeah, I'm with Paddy. Quadruple, please. <laughs> I think Ange just deals with the here and now. Whoever you're playing that day, that's your target. And that's my that's my thoughts on it. I think you're that is it's easier said than done. If you're asking us in the room, what do we want? We want to win the league first and foremost at anything. But I think it's a game at a time, Ange. That is, it's a game at a time. We just need to see what happens in that. Again, I'm going to be critical, Ange, a wee bit because oh, I know, yeah, I know, I'm going to be critical a wee bit. Sometimes the game management lets lets them down. I'm using the Real Betis game as a classic example um, yeah. of that. But so I think he needs again. We need to just be careful as well as we go through it as well. We need, to, and I think he's getting better at it because he's got more. Again, he's, he's more in his Arsenal now. So I think we just game at a time, and that's the way he plays it because the expectation again is up there. You need to be up there, and it doesn't matter if it's Bodo on Thursday. Or Dundee at the weekend, yeah. so again, it's hard. It's a hard one to answer. We just, as I said, it'll just be a game at a time, and we'll deal with the situation that particular time. I think that's all we can do because, especially the league, I'm desperate to win the league. We're all desperate to win the league, but we just need to take it. We do really need to take a game at a time yeah, because twelve games at a time. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you another thing, Ange wouldn't dare come down to your work until you were today. <laughs> Don't you do the same? Thing? I think it would. I, I would. I would oh, gladly right. my Ange to come in and shut the door <laughs> to him about today. Exactly. Um, to, to give you a wee bit of comfort from that as well, there's going to be a man back for the run-in called Kyogo. Massive. Yes, hoping. Yep. Massive. What a start to come back in. You forget, or you maybe don't forget, that we're in this brilliant, rich vein of form, 20 games unbeaten the league. We've won eight games out of eight in January. And this is all without the star man. And he is the star man. He is. He's a superstar. I keep, I keep, I keep mentioning him and Jota has been the superstars, but they are superstars. You see what Kyogo brought whether it be Dundee at the beginning of the season the cup final cup it was final, yeah. absolutely incredible and that's him just getting up to that's him getting up to speed with the way that we well, Ange wants to play the way we play personnel can you imagine when this all comes together again between now again as things go forward doesn't it matter if we've got to see in six months time or three months time or three days time we are going in this direction where this is all coming together and he is a key component of this. When he comes back in and it fits in in your O'Reilly's and your Rodgers's... You're going to O'Reilly's a big one I want to see. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You need to settle down. Oh, wow. You <laughs> need to settle down. <laughs> um, a glass of water. Just as we're starting to finish things up for the... I need a scoreline prediction for Thursday night. I'll go for something like 4-3. Yeah, 4-2. Four, really? four I'll stick with 4-2. Four, 4-2. Two. Four, two. I'm going to go 3-1. I think 3-0. Similar to Dundee, I just think we'll be strong and I think we've got this confidence at the back. So I'm going for 3-0. Uh, Chris, what we'll do is we're starting to wrap things up for today. What's your final thoughts? And, you know, as I say, calm down. Just breathe, relax. But what's your final thoughts on where we are just now? 
it's great position. Just keep fingers crossed that we keep the momentum going. But as I said, game at a time. But just take it a game at a time. We'll see how things go. We know, everybody knows now again what's expected of Celtic these days, no matter who it's, who it's against. So, again, we just need to keep the momentum going and hopefully we can we can just keep going and we can actually, as Paddy says, we can do the quadruple. Um, but Just speaking of Paddy, I spoke to him briefly the day. He was in Budapest over the weekend. Of course he was, yeah. And he got approached by a fan. Inverted commas, a fan at the airport. Are you Paddy for the Celtic <laughs> exchange? So, uh, I was going to say we've made it. At least Paddy's made it and, and he's getting the, the credit he deserves. So, photos and everything, says all that stuff. <laughs> uh, James, another busy week in store. Are you looking forward to it? Yeah, very much so. You know, as we've touched on in, in the show, you know, this time last year and all that. So, what a difference a year makes. And it's now just, you're at the business end of the season. you know, yeah. and, and it's time to really dig in and for the players to, to show their mettle and, so far, since we've come back after the winter break, they're, they're you know, impressing us every single week, getting the points, getting the wins, <laughs> being sloppy yesterday and getting the rollick in and turning it around. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a really interesting couple of months. Sure is. So, we find ourselves here on Valentine's Day and what's not to love about this Celtic side under Ange Postacoglu? We're top of the league, still in Europe, still in the Scottish Cup, and if Ange's recent interviews are to be believed, we're only just getting started. Thanks to James and Chris for joining me in today's show and of course our thanks to you for continuing to follow and support the Celtic Exchange. Please continue to do so by liking, subscribing and sharing this episode far and wide with your Celtic network. It really makes a big difference to what we do. But in the meantime and as always, thanks for tuning in. Podcast Network.